0: Do you want to talk about books? Yeah! Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up a well-read life. Today, I am thrilled to have Anna Rose Johnson join me to talk about her new, wonderful book, The Star That Always Stays. Storytelling has always been a part of Anna Rose Johnson's life, especially timeless tales tinged with vintage charm. She grew up fascinated by the early 20th century and now writes historical middle-grade novels that reflect her love of classic children's literature. A member of the Sault Ste. Marie tribe of Chippewa Indians, Anna Rose enjoys exploring her heritage through her stories, including her new middle-grade novel, The Star That Always Stays. Anna Rose lives on a farm in northern Wisconsin, and you can visit her at her bookish blog, annarosejohnson.com. It was such a joy to sit down and talk with Anna Rose about her delightful book. It was a book I read early this summer and just loved. I can't wait for you to get to know her and hear all of her wonderful book recommendations. Anna Rose, welcome to the podcast. I loved your book, The Star That Always Stays. I've been telling so many friends about it. It was one of my summer reads and a favorite of mine. It has such a delightful old-fashioned quality to it, which is hard to come by in books published recently. Would you give the listeners a quick summary of your book to whet their appetite to read it too?
1: Yes, absolutely. So an extremely concise blurb is, when 14-year-old Norvia moves from the country to the city in 1914, she has to contend with a new school, a first crush, and a blended family. she must also keep secret her parents' divorce and her Ojibwe heritage. It's pretty fun. A lot of people have been comparing it to Anna Green Gables or Little Women, and that's really been exciting for me.
0: Yes, very much so. That's the feeling I got as I was reading it. And I have to go back for a second and say it's Anna Rose. I, I mispronounced that earlier. We had talked right before we started recording. That's how she pronounces it. So I want to make sure that I remember that. But as I was reading it, that's what I thought. I When I mentioned the old-fashioned quality to it, I just really did not want to put it down. And I can't remember what book I was in the middle of for the podcast or a book club or, or something. But your book was the one I wanted to pick up because it reminded me so much of those books I've loved since childhood or the stories I've loved since childhood and the books that I reread constantly for comfort just for their, their goodness and their wholesomeness, which I'll, I'm going to talk about in just a minute with my next question. I mentioned the old-fashioned quality to your book, which I just mentioned it again. It's something that's becoming hard to find in current middle-grade young adult novels. And when I say old-fashioned, that's not a slight. That's one of the highest compliments. It's books that are imbued with a sense of goodness, wholesomeness, virtue, and, innocence. and Innocence is not something to be frowned upon or looked down on because it's just this uncorrupted sense that you're giving back to children. So some of the books I'm thinking of are the Mez Bloom books. So she's a dear friend of mine, her Katie Watson series, and also Churchill Socks. I love that. And then A Place to Hang the Moon was wonderful. And your book also. So those books have that dearness and that sweetness to it. So first of all, thank you so much for writing this book. And second, what inspired you to write it?
1: Well, thank you so much. I was hoping to to achieve kind of the, the feel of some of the older classic girls books, because those are really some of my very favorites. And so that was one of my main inspirations for writing this book. I was really kind of drawing from Ellen Montgomery, and Monarch Lovelace. I really wanted it to have that sense to it. But aside from that, the main inspiration came when I was doing some genealogy research, now eight years ago, and I was learning more about my great-grandmother, Norvia, and it kind of occurred to me that it could really make a very good middle-grade novel. The events of her life when she was about 14 as her parents were divorcing, her mother was remarrying, she was starting high school, and World War I had started in Europe, and just kind of all these things came together in my mind, and I realized that maybe I could make a story out of them. And so that was really the beginning, and I wrote the first draft for National Novel Writing Month <laughs> that year, and so that was the beginning, and then I've just been, been working on it uh, since then.
0: I love that. So I love family history as well. And I had seen from your Instagram and I think maybe your website, your newsletter possibly about that you had used your family stories. So I'm just, I'm so fascinated by that. So so Norvia's parents divorced, the real Norvia's parents divorced as well, which is so strange at that. I mean, not strange, but that is such, that is so unusual at that time.
1: Yeah, it was, um, it and was such less a
0: stigma, common. such a stigma for a child, also. So, that is so interesting. So, we're talking about that it's a historical novel and we're talking about all of this family history. So, I'm fascinated, like I just said, about research and researching just family history. And I love history in general. And I'm so fascinated by the whole research process of writing. What was the process like, and how much time did you give to researching the time period? And also, what did you use for the family research? How were you able to find all of those facts mm-hmm.
1: about? Yeah, it was a lot of research. It was challenging, but I really love doing that sort of thing. So it was it was very fun at the same time. And for kind of like for making sure that I had all of the details for the time period correct, I did a lot of looking in like old Sears catalogs and magazines from the 1910s. I read um, children's novels from that time. Uh, Newspapers were a big thing. I researched in a lot of different newspapers, and I wrote to different libraries and asked them if they could look up different clippings that I wanted, and that helped a lot with the family aspect as well to try and get some more of the the real information, and then asking family members, uh, cousins, descendants of Norvia's extended family for their memories. And that was really helpful too. It was a lot of research, but it was, it was very rewarding. And that was definitely one of my favorite parts of the process. There's so many little details in the book that came directly from my research.
0: That's so interesting. So you you mentioned all the newspaper clippings and then, I, which I'm so fascinated by, were you able to find anything about Norvia in the newspaper or family history as well? Yes,
1: I was able to find some different tidbits and a lot of what I found, you know, didn't go directly in the book because so much of the book is fiction, but it was just, it helped to get me a better idea of the family and the time period. Yeah.
0: Exactly, and so when you looked at the Sears catalogs, did you did you do a lot of um, research into clothing and costumes? I know that yeah. there is some mention of the her mother is a seamstress, mm-hmm. so and I'm a former seamstress, so there is uh, some little bit about clothing, which is so interesting. You know, that's always when I was a child, I loved a book that had any sort of focus on clothing, even if it was a, a very small amount. Um, and I love that you bring that out in your your book and your story. So was that fun for you to research that time period as far as the clothing goes? Yeah,
1: for sure. I've always been very fascinated by Edwardian fashion in particular. And so when I was looking through old catalogs, I was definitely trying to take some of those details for the actual dresses mentioned in the book. And that was really fun. And that was one of the details from real life that did make it into the book that her mother was a dressmaker.
0: That's so fun. It is so interesting. So as far as the her family goes, her brothers and sisters, did you create them? Are they new for the book? Or did the real Norvia have as many brothers and sisters?
1: Yes, she did have three brothers and a sister and then two step stepsisters and a stepbrother. So oh, that wow. was, was accurate. And that was fun. Because like, Different times when I was working on the book at the beginning, before I knew quite as much about the family, you know, sometimes I would, you know, put in little details and then later I would realize that those were actually a little more accurate than I had originally thought. So that was fun for sure.
0: Oh, what fun. That is so fascinating. And as far as the books that you read that inspired you, I am, you know, I've already mentioned how much I love books of this time period. What were some of the books that inspired you? I'm just, I know this is going off topic slightly, but I'm just so curious about those the books that you loved. I know from seeing your Instagram, I've gotten a lot of recommendations. I recently bought Emily of Deep Valley. Was that that's one that you mentioned? And then I just read the first Betsy Tacey book and loved it. So I have four of those books that I'm greeting and they're going to be on the podcast soon oh, and cool. then I have Emily of Deep Valley as well but I I love to see your book recommendations so what are some of the what are some of the books that inspired you for this oh yes
1: well yeah absolutely the Betsy Tacy books and Emily of Deep Valley those were big inspirations for sure and yes and the Anne books definitely and I was very inspired by kind of the style of the Um, Elizabeth Enright books, she wrote, you know, Thimble Summer, Gone Way Lake, uh, the Melindy books, and it's not... I'm not sure that it would be immediately obvious the connection there to my book, but for the sections with more of like the family scenes with Norvia's siblings, I was kind of going for some of those character dynamics that Elizabeth Enright did so well. So that was one of my inspirations as well. Which and- I have not
0: read those books. And I have, I don't think I've read anything of Elizabeth Enright, but I have her books. And I've wanted to read the Melindy novels because they they sound like such great fun.
1: Yeah, they are really very fun. And then also another inspiration was the Penderwick books by Jeannie Birdsall. Which I also haven't read. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're you're gonna really love those because they're they're such fun. And again, it was a lot of like the the character interactions and just the the fact that they're they're newer books, but they're plotted a little more like older fashioned Mm -hmm. books, uh, Mm -hmm. really character driven. And that's what I'm drawn to. So yeah, those were all inspirations.
0: Oh, how wonderful! And then in the book, the actual. The star that always stays, there are some wonderful book recommendations in there as well because Norvia is given a book by her stepfather, and that just mm-hmm. starts her on this huge reading kick. And she's able to borrow books from the library that were his first wives. Is that correct? Yes. So it's just it's so much fun. I love that in books when the author includes different books that the character's reading. And then it's just like this whole treasure chest of books for you to discover as well. Yes. So, That was just delightful. So thank you for that as well. What was a typical writing day like for you? I love hearing about behind the scenes process.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the book went through a lot of drafts. And when I was drafting the version that kind of became more of what the book is now, um, I didn't really have a set schedule exactly. I wrote at different times of the day, but it was mostly in the afternoon. And I was trying to hit like a thousand words per afternoon. That was kind of my my main schedule. And that's still what I try to do when I'm in the middle of drafting a new book. Um I try to stick to that schedule pretty well. Um and it worked for me. I think it helps to have a specific time of day to write because then you sort of get in that mode like at this time you sit down and you're creative and it just helps to keep the momentum going, I think. And for me, it's like, if I even take one day off of writing when I'm in that zone, then it's that much harder to to get back into it the next day. So it takes me a few months usually to to write a book. I think I worked on, on this book that, I think it was the third draft where it really started to come together. I worked on that from like, January to March, 2018. I believe
0: that's so impressive that it's just a matter of months. Because I have, I have always wanted to write a middle grade book. I have ideas in the back of my mind and lots of sketches written in notebooks and chapters and and other things just scattered throughout. But I have never finished one, and it's certainly not in that short amount of time. So that's very impressive. The thousand words seems a little daunting, so that is wonderful that you are able to keep up with that. What do you do, Anna Rose, when you encounter discouragement? How do you handle discouragement? How do you, when you meet with resistance of of other people or, again, I mean, your own discouragement or discouragement of other people as well, Mm -hmm. or just like a lack of time, how do you overcome that? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, certainly it it can be difficult for a variety of reasons to really stay in a writing groove. And yeah, definitely at different points, like when I was getting rejections on the book, that was hard to kind of come back from each time to stay writing after that, you know, and there were times when it it felt like I wanted to kind of think about giving up. But deep down I knew that I never really would because it just means too much to me and it's also too much fun to stop and so I would try to remind myself of that it's like you know it it actually is very fun and so I shouldn't let rejection or even my own discouragement of like not knowing if a particular book is good enough or if you know, if writing didn't go well that day, it's important to just keep bouncing back from it um, and not getting too bogged down in in your own, you know, critical opinion and then uh, other people's opinions as well. So yeah, I really tried to just keep focused on the story itself. And it really helps to have a lot of projects going, you know. So then if, if one is going super great, you know, then you can just switch to to another one. And I've tried working on two stories at once. um, And that's worked well. Most of the time, I just stick with one. But yeah, just trying to stay focused on the actual writing. uh, That helps a lot.
0: I love that you said, remember that it's fun. I just I love that because I think that that is a way to really to keep at it. I think that that's perfect that you said that, and I admire your tenacity in this. That's wonderful because you produced a beautiful book, it with that just perseverance. So I'm so glad that you did continue with it. Did you always want to be a writer, Anna Rose, or is when did you or when did you discover that you wanted to be a writer? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I actually don't really remember um, when I first wanted to become a writer or when I started writing. I was pretty young and it's fun because I still have like some of my very oldest stories from when I was six or seven. And it's fun to, to look back on those. But yeah, I was very serious about publishing from a young age, from the time I was seven. I knew that I wanted to be published and I just continued to work on stories, you know, for for quite a while and I really started to get serious about actually putting in the effort that it took. It was probably like a couple years before I wrote the version of The Star That Always Stays that it is now. I had written a couple earlier drafts, but it was when I went into the third draft that I really was like, this is what I want to do. I want to write middle grade. And and that helped a lot. That was kind of like a mindset shift for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh. How exciting. I just love to hear these stories. Your book has some weighty moments, kind of switching gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Throughout it, there's divorce, there's abandonment, Norvia's fear of rejection because of her Native American heritage. But you write these moments with such grace and insight that it never becomes too heavy for the reader. These books are so needed for young children to help them cope, especially when they face crises in their own lives. How did you handle that nuance of including difficult subjects in your book but not so much that it burdens a young audience because that's yeah. so difficult to do especially you have to keep in mind their age but yet they do mm-hmm. face very difficult things in life but you don't want to burden their little their little lives more than necessary
1: Yeah it was important for me to be able to to show those elements without them becoming the main focus I think that that's how you maintain a good balance, especially in books for kids. The challenges that Norvia faces, especially with the divorce and her heritage, um, I tried to keep those elements a part of the story, but not the central focus. Um, And I think that that helps a lot. The main story is really more of a family story it deals with the family coming together and just all like the trials and and the joys that come with that and then and then the lighter elements you know her starting high school and you know wanting to be popular and kind of sort of bringing in some humor there as well i think that that helps if you have a variety of things going on in the book so that there is a good balance of the heavier topics and then lighter sections as well
0: Yes, absolutely. Like I said, it just never feels too weighty. And like you said, it isn't the main focus of the story. It is just this beautiful family story. I love her stepfather. His kindness to his stepchildren is just as beautiful how, how they are able to all come together, as you mentioned. I also love how you make Norvia such a girl that so many people can identify with because she's wholesomely ordinary and that she has (laughs) she has things that she faces like when she wants to fit in with all the popular girls at school and they're very unkind to her and even her best friend she has a whole thing with I don't want to give too much away but uh, a break in her friendship and there is one of her classmates who wants to be her friend and is pursuing her well too there's a a boy and a, a girl and they're pursuing her and they're so kind to her but they're just a little bit they're not in the popular group and so even with her rejection it takes her a long time to come around which I think of my days in middle school and I feel like that's the same thing you have that yearning to belong with the popular group and yet They're not the people you want to be friends with in the long run. There's a little bit of a heartbreaking moment in the book. It's just what any middle school little girl will encounter probably at some point of she has her party. She has a Halloween party and she invites the popular girls. They have this wonderful time, but she overhears them talking about her. She just feel her heartbreak at the time. But it's just that realization that these aren't the kind of girls you want to be friends with. So I love that you made Norvia the way that she is, and I love that you also included moments like that in the friends that she eventually does come around to, that her so sweetly placed in her path. So we've talked about some of the heavy moments that are in the book, but you also have, as you mentioned, moments of joy and humor. And I'm thinking of the play, her sister Dicta, is Dicta is how you pronounce it? Produces. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Which was to me, Honor Rose, I loved that part because it reminded me of my childhood and producing plays and roping my siblings into it. <laughs> oh my goodness. My sister and I were always one for the theatrics and my best friend too. And we were always, always roping the neighborhood kids into the plays. And making our parents sit down for them. So that just brought back a lot of fond memories of childhood and Dicta was hilarious. She's very dramatic and uh just a fun character, very very fun. Do you have any favorite moments in the book?
1: Um yeah. Well, the whole sequence with Dicta's play, that was definitely A favorite part of mine as well. That's one of the scenes that I most remember writing the first time was just all the fun that I had with that. So yeah, for sure that section. And then there's a scene where Norvia and Dicta and Vernon make up a game. And it's the first time that they really start to have fun, connect with each other. And that was definitely very fun to write and one of my favorite scenes. That was actually, I think, one of the first scenes that I wrote because I was just trying to you know, getting more of a feel for it, and it ended up that that was that was my editor's favorite scene as well in the book. So that was that was really fun. Dick and Vernon were my favorite characters to write, just because they were so fun. Yeah. So yeah, they were. That was definitely a highlight of the book was writing them.
0: Mm, I love that. Well, you mentioned your favorite characters, and I would I would have to agree. And also, I don't want to give too much away, but Almer, is that that how you pronounce it? I think it's Almer. Okay. Okay. I love how you had all these unusual names in there as well. (laughs) But I really liked him. And it was just, I don't know how it all comes together at the end. I'm trying not to give too much away, but he's just fun. A little bit of a Gilbert Blythe character so great fun with that yeah there's so many moments in the book that i love and i'm thinking of like especially like dicta's play like i mentioned and also even though it was heartbreaking i did the halloween party was done very well so i enjoyed that as well and just i don't know all the there are so many moments but i love how you navigate her going to school and switching schools and so many of the moments of her reading and discovering books and those sweet moments that she has with her stepfather as well just his his care for her and his love of her mother. Just wonderful. So many, (laughs) there's so many moments that I love. You've already shared those moments with the listeners. So any other favorite characters that you had? Any other favorite characters to write? Yeah,
1: um, well, Norvia obviously was very fun to write and obviously the most challenging as well because she is, you know, the main character and having to, you know, have her big character arc changing throughout the story. But she was also very easy to write in many ways. It was fun to be able to write more of an introverted character um, as the heroine because I feel like that isn't uh, represented very well. And I was... Well, I am very shy. And so it was it was uh, felt very natural to write that part of her character. But yeah, it was like, I had fun with every single character. And I think that that's what made me really stick with this story. You know, I've written many other manuscripts and this one was just so perfect for me. And I think it was because I just love the characters so much. I really enjoyed writing Uncle Virgil, her stepfather. Um, yes, It was nice to write such a kind character. I don't know. It's like, it's not maybe something that you would think necessarily was like super mm-hmm. fun to write, like really um, nice character without like too much humor or yes. too many flaws kind of because those can yes. be fun to write but yeah I really enjoyed writing his character as well so yeah
0: because yeah, Honor Rose when I was reading it I kept expecting the shoe to drop with Uncle Virgil I'm like oh he's gonna do something <laughs> that he's gonna do something that's not very nice he's gonna do something it's gonna show his true colors are gonna come out this is gonna be <laughs> Difficult for Norvia, which is I mean you find that a lot in books where that does happen, like the the character doesn't maintain their kindness it's it's kind of a a show, but mm-hmm. or newer one sometimes, but this one he's just it was so refreshing to have that kind character, that beautiful father figure in a story. I just i love that that was one of my favorite parts of the book and I was, there were so many moments of surprise in it because I think I went in expecting, oh, this is going to happen. And because that's kind of how you read stories now and that's what happens. And it it, it didn't, and it was so wonderful that those things that I was expecting didn't happen. Like I thought, oh, her mother and uncle Virgil are not going to get married and she's mm-hmm. going to get back to with her father. But then they did. I was like, well, they did get married. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so surprised. I was like, I've got to see what happens now. And it was just all those little moments of, okay, this like I said, this is gonna happen. But you just beautifully surprised us throughout the book. And I just loved that so much. Was it hard for you to let Norvia go to move on to the next thing? Or has it been hard to let the story go?
1: Yeah, definitely for sure. Um, and I've thought about that since I turned in the final version of the book um, which was not that long ago and it's like I just wish I could still be working on it and it's funny because it's like because I have wanted it to be published for so long I'm not sure that I really expected that at first but I really just enjoyed writing it so much that now I I so wish I could insert new things in but yeah so it has to it has to stay as it is (laughs) (laughs) which is a little hard but uh I have missed working on it but yeah I I I am working on some other projects that I'm enjoying as well
0: oh fine okay so I'm sure you feel like these characters have become your friends because reading it that's how I felt I'm like you know these people and then you have to say goodbye so that's always (laughs) it's always difficult so do you think you'll continue Norvia's story or is this the end for now?
1: Well, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, um, and I am hoping for sure that there will be a sequel. Good. I I may have already written some drafts of future. <laughs> oh, yay! <laughs> so yeah, oh. I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going to happen with those, but I'm hoping for a sequel.
0: Oh, good. I was hoping so as well. You mentioned earlier things that you're currently working on. Is there anything that you can share? I know that you gave a tease on Instagram that Mm -hmm. you were working on another novel. Can you share anything about how that's going?
1: Yes, I am working on something new. Unfortunately, I can't really say much about it yet. I thought Um, so. (laughs) Except that I will have publishing news to share probably in the fall. Um, (gasps) So I am hoping to make an announcement uh, fairly soon. And that's going to be really fun.
0: Yeah, so... (laughs) Some secrets, oh, how,
1: but. <laughs> oh, how
0: fun. How exciting. I can't wait. The fall is such a wonderful time for that. <laughs> yes. Okay. Before we go, Anna Rose, I like to ask a quick round of literary questions at the end for fun. So what is the best book you've read in the last year?
1: Yeah, I think I would say a book called Treasure for Debbie by Amy Wentworth Stone. It's a really fun one I read last summer. It's It was written in the 1930s, and it's set in Maine. And it's kind of a family story, but also a little bit of romance, a little mystery, mostly about these two sisters. And it's just, it's really a wonderful book.
0: Okay, you said Maine, and you said mystery, and you said sisters, and this sounds so much fun. So what was the name of the author again? Amy Wentworth Stone. I'm writing this down because I'm looking this up as soon as we get, (laughs) as soon as we finish, I'm going to be looking for this book. How did you discover this book, Anna Rose?
1: It was recently reprinted by um, The Good and the Beautiful. um, And they're a curriculum company, but they also reprint older books. And it's really fun because they um, are able to bring back books that are pretty, Hard to find. Um, so I've never really seen the book anywhere else. So it was it was fun to be able to get it from there.
0: How fun. Oh, I cannot wait. So I will be looking at the books that they've republished as well. Have you ever heard of the O. Douglas books? Um, I don't think so. Okay, I think some of them are like pink sugar. And I'm trying to think of the other titles. I have not personally read them. She was a Scottish writer and yeah. her brother is John Buchan, who wrote The 39 Steps. And a lot of her books are out of print. And I've been tracking a few down on Kindle because they have them on Kindle. But to buy used copies are so expensive. Uh-huh. So the little of I know of it, it might be a good It might be a good read for you.
1: <laughs> cool. Um, checking out.
0: What is your favorite book of all time?
1: Oh, that's really hard. And I don't think I can pick one, but uh, we mentioned earlier, um, Emily of Deep Valley is definitely in my top three. I just, I love it so much. Um, and then also Little Women is mm-hmm. is a big favorite of mine. It's just, it's it's such a wonderful story. And it was one that I came to later. I didn't read it until... Not that long ago, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and I've watched most of the movie versions yes. now.
0: <laughs> so yes. yeah, I,
1: I love that. And then also Jane of Lantern Hill. Um, oh yes, that's just like <laughs> I I really really love that one too.
0: I love that one, and I haven't read that one in so long. But so I want to go back and reread that because I have I'm have a friend named Olga, and we're supposed to read through the Anne series together. Well, cool. And I'm just curious about the other Ellen Montgomery books that I want to reread a lot of them. And then there's some that mm-hmm. I haven't read that I want to. And I, I know I haven't ever read Rilla of Ingleside, but I've Aww. read most of the Anne series. So... I got a copy recently of *Rilla of Ingleside*, so I have to put that on my list. Well, it's, it, it is it is a good one, um, but but it is kind of a heartbreaker. That's <laughs> what I that's what I heard because it's World War One, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I know that Lucy Mont Montgomery was very affected by World War One. I. I was reading a biography of hers, and I had to stop reading it because it was just too sad. It was, yeah. I, I hated that. I, is it House of Dreams? Have you read that? It's not Anne's House yeah. of Dreams, but I think it's called House of Dreams, and it's this yeah story no, I, haven't,
1: of, I haven't read that one.
0: I just it was just too sad for me. I'm so thankful that she wrote such beautiful books and such mm-hmm, such memorable yeah. characters and in such joyful characters. But I just wish her life had been, for her sake, a little a little happier. But I know that World War One greatly affected her, so I'm sure that it came out in the writing of Rilla of Ingleside. And it's funny, you were talking about the Anne series and you mentioned Little Women and not reading it until you were older. I did not read Anne of Green Gables until I was, I think either late teens or early twenties. I think it had to have mm-hmm. been, but I'd watched the, like the miniseries. grew up watching that, yes. but I, oh, the books are so dear as well. So yeah, yes. that's interesting that you can have those stories that are part of your life and never have read the books <laughs> until you yeah. get older. And it yeah, for ha- sure. being, being able to discover how delightful they are as you get older have you read the other little men and joe's boys yes i have I not have. read those i need to add them to my list those are ones i haven't read yet so yeah they were definitely fun
1: not as good as little women but know, definitely that's, uh fun on their own
0: yeah that's what i'm always afraid of i'm like you love these so much is <laughs> it's hard to to switch to something else by the author that you may not love as much but mm-hmm. I need to give them a chance what is a book you haven't read but have always meant to read
1: yeah for quite a while now I've meant to read Heidi I've never actually <gasps> gotten all the way through it I read like probably close to half of it some years ago and then it just got bogged down didn't finish um I have yeah. just a beautiful copy of it and I'm always like I'm gonna read that Next, and then I just never get
0: to it. So I'm so glad you said that because this I haven't shared with you yet, but this will be our episode will be airing as part of a childhood heroine series. Oh. And yeah, and so Heidi is one of the books I'm going to be featuring, and I have oh. not read it all the way either. But I think I've shared before on one of my episodes, I was supposed to read it with my best friend a few years ago. and. I just was like, I just, I can't, I just can't, I can't get into the book for some reason. I just can't get into it, but we have it on audible and we play it for my daughter at night. She's three and she asks for it. She'll ask for Heidi, but the narrator is so good. Gemma Whelan, I think, is who the narrator is. Okay. It's so good. So I've listened to it as I have rocked her, and I'm like, I have to give this book another chance. I don't know what was wrong with me. It's so sweet. <laughs> so, And I know it was one of my mom's favorites when she was a little girl, and so I can't wait to, to feature that one and, and really- read the whole thing I'll probably listen and read and it was supposed to be part of my spring reading I put that I put that on the podcast it was gonna be my spring reading of course I just didn't get to it yet because I got just sidetracked with working on other books for the podcast but definitely I can't that's one I just can't wait to get to
1: that's really fun well I will have to give it another try and and then listen to your podcast
0: yes I would love that okay so Another, okay, this is one of my favorite questions to ask because I love to hear people's answers. If you could invite any author or literary character to dinner, who would it be? Let's say three to five characters or, or authors, and you can cheat if you want to. And what would you serve?
1: I think that I would... I would either do do two things. I would either invite Maud Hart Lovelace and some of the Betsy Tasty characters and serve like onion sandwiches, like in the high school books. That would be fun. Or oh. if I was going to to choose another guest list, I would invite Anne and Diana and Miss Lavender from Anne of Avonlea. And I would probably serve like strawberry ice cream or something that, that Anne would really enjoy. <laughs> Oh, I, I think love that! Would that. Be a pretty fun uh, tea party.
0: Oh, I love that. It sounds so fun. I love, like I said, I love to hear people's answers. It's always so varied. Okay, do you have any book recommendations to share? I am very excited to hear your answer on this.
1: Yes, I I always have book recommendations. <laughs> Uh, One that I just shared actually on Instagram is um, Rosetown by Cynthia Ryland. It's about a little girl who kind of takes refuge in a vintage bookshop um, when her parents separate. It's just a really lovely, very short, sort of a younger middle grade novel came out a few years ago, um, but I just really loved it.
0: Um, Oh, Anna, Anna Rose, I cannot wait.
1: I've got that down. Okay. What else? Another one that I read not that long ago that I really enjoyed was um, called Just Jennifer by Janet Lambert. And that's from the 40s, I believe. It's about a 16-year-old girl and she is taking care of her younger siblings, I think on an army post. And it's that one was very fun as well. And I don't know. Have you read anything by Amanda Dykes?
0: No, I've never heard of her
1: oh okay yeah well she's she's a really good writer and her first two books were up from the sea and whose waves these are um oh. and one it, so one is a like a prequel novella and then there's the full novel that is set afterward and that one is also set in Maine I really love books set in Maine I do too um, <laughs> it's just something about it and so it was those- up
0: from the sea and what was the other one
1: whose waves these are. And, and kind of, this is a little bit the same as like Rilla of Ingleside, where they can be a little heart-wrenching for sure, but okay. they're just beautifully written and they do have just a lot of hope and joy in them as well um, that I really appreciate. And then also, this is an older one, um, I think it was from the 70s, um, From Anna by Jean Little. And that's one of my all-time favorite middle grades. Um, it's about a girl who moves from Germany to Canada in the 30s. And she discovers that she has really poor eyesight. And so she sort of begins to lead this new life after she gets glasses and is going through these big transitions and goes to a new school and is finally able to make some friends. And it's it's just a really wonderful heartwarming
0: Christmas story. Okay, I've got that down. That'll be perfect. I'm looking for something for Christmas to feature on the podcast. So maybe, oh, cool. <laughs> maybe that one will be on there. Where did you find these books, Anna Rose? I'm so <laughs> curious.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, well, I find them a lot of different places. The last one from Anna, I read um, as a little girl, my older sister had a copy of it, And Amanda Dykes her first book was recommended to me by a friend who had read it. And I find them different places, like blogs. I read blogs and see what other people are reading and enjoying. So yeah, that's one of my main sources is just recommendations from other people whose reading taste is similar to mine.
0: Which is hard to find sometimes. You have to you Mm -hmm. have to be careful. There's some people it's like I know I'm like, I've read some of the books they've recommended on some and not to be disparaging of anyone. It's just not my taste, but on maybe other podcasts or, or other blogs or, or other things or just friends recommending things. And I'm like, this is not a book for me. I just know. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I, I like the person and I might still listen to the podcast, but I just know I'm not going to read those books. (laughs) But it's, (laughs) it is what there are certain people it's like, I am going to trust them with, everything because I know that they're I know they're going to give me a good recommendation and and one of those people is Julie Benny from the story shop it's this delightful honorosa wish you could come to Georgia oh. and go there because it is the sweetest little bookstore oh. and Julie Benny never steers me wrong so yeah that's, that's always really so, that's so fun so Amanda Dyke's books where what is the time period are they historical fiction mm-hmm
1: yes the first one the novella is set in I think 1925 oh. and then the novel is about the same family but set in the 40s it's actually a, a dual timeline so there's one timeline in the 40s and then another in early 2000s
0: oh that's interesting so when was the book written is she contem? she's a obviously a contemporary writer
1: yeah um these came out in 2019 oh, okay um and yes, she's still writing books, so it's, it's really fun. She just did, I think it was two years ago, I think she did a, a Christmas novelette um, for her newsletter subscribers. Um, I had kind of suggested maybe you should do a Christmas story, and yeah. so she did. It was just really very fun. So that oh. was that's another one.
0: So this is like, I know I said that was the last question, but your books that you select, what's your is there a time period that you just love to yeah. read about?
1: Well, the 1910s, that is, that's definitely a favorite. Um, and one of the reasons why I really got the idea to write The Star That Always Stays in the first place um, be- was because I realized it could be 1910s. And there's one American Girl series, the Rebecca books, um, oh. that I really enjoyed as a child. And so that was, and they're set in 1914. So that was, okay. I was kind of a nod to them. I, I really just love anything in like the first half of the twentieth century. So from like turn of the century to the fifties is like my sweet spot. That's okay. that's my favorite.
0: Yeah, it's varied for me. Yeah, I love that I love that time period. I also love medieval. All of a sudden, this Maybe. is a new thing for me is loving medieval. <laughs> there was a book when you were talking that I was like, ah, I need to recommend that to her. Oh, Daddy Longlegs. Have you ever read Daddy Longlegs by Gene Webster? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. I okay, good. And then there was a book that you mentioned on Instagram a while back. It was something Maple Hill. Yes. Bought. Yes. Miracles on Maple Hill. Okay. That's one I'm trying to look for at the library. So. I'm very curious. And then you yes. also did you have on yours the secret language by Ursula Nordstrom? Yes. Okay, yeah, that's I have. Funny. Okay, cuz I have her her collection of letters called Dear mm-hmm. Genius. Have you ever read those, Ana Rose? i I've read some of it. Okay. Okay, yeah. And so I've always wanted to track that book down, but it's a it's a difficult one to find. It's un, unfortunate yeah. when <laughs> when these sweet books you're like I want to read these books but they are out of print and then yeah I know and yeah I wasn't able to find that one right
1: away either but then I found it in a bookstore antique store like on the very bottom shelf and I'm like is that what that is that was funny
0: (laughs) that's so much that's so much fun when you find a book like that I have I have gasped in bookstores, when I have found something, a book I've been looking for that's out of yeah. like out of print, and, and the book seller was always like, "Well, that's the best sale to hear from a customer," because <laughs> just yeah. this squeal of excitement. Have you read the theater books? Not the theater books, the shoes books. I'm reading theater shoes, that's why. I yes, read yes, the theater books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the shoes books.
1: Those are some of my very favorites as well. I I no. adore them.
0: I Um, know. So I haven't haven't read them before. And then I just started, I got theater shoes from the story shop this past week. And I have not been able to put it down. I'm going to feature it on the podcast too, because I just like, I love these books so much. So it's just so much fun discovering these delightful books. So hopefully someone out there will reprint them because little girls children i should say children need these books again because they're just yes so delightful and yeah i really just...
1: really love her books um and they have been reprinting some of them more of them lately and mm-hmm. i've been really excited to see that. i actually just got a reprint of one of them because my copy had literally like fallen into pieces yes. <laughs> um, which
0: was this which one was that was it one of the shoes books
1: actually no. this one was it's the growing summer that's it's <gasps> I love that book
0: <laughs> yeah that's great. I yes on a rose so my mom read that just when we were kids that is oh. one of my favorite books so it's called the it was called the magic summer the book that we yeah. got from it's called like it's the growing summer in the UK so that's the I would say that's the title of it, and that's what it's reprinted as. But, but- I, I tend to call it the Magic Sun because right. I had a U.S. copy. Right? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we checked it out from the library, and I love that book so much.
1: Yeah, it's it's really fun. I was and so
0: excited it, when they reprinted it. Oh, yeah. it was like it was the happiest day for me.
1: Well, what's uh, funny is because um, I just got it, and I'm looking at the illustrations because my copy never had illustration and i'm looking at them like all the scenes in it are exactly the way that i pictured them like the different rooms and like where things were situated. i'm like that's really very cool and i guess uh, it just uh shows how well the book was written if if uh i had the same mental imagery as the illustrator
0: exactly (laughs) and it's funny because i love that illustrator and i can't separate that book from the illustrator and it's oh. so it's so fun. There's a a series that he wrote called the little Tim series, which are sadly out of print, oh. but I, I found them, track them down. Our library system has them. And we, I've been reading them to my daughter at bedtime and my, my husband and I all, we all sit down at night and read to her. And those are the books I've been reading to her. And they are so much fun. They're picture books but oh. they are such great fun. And I really wish someone would reprint those, but you, yeah, you would enjoy his illustrations in that as oh, well. It sounds really the- fun. Yeah. So, all right, Anna Rose, I hate, I hate to end the conversation. It's been so delightful. So yes, but we have to, I know I have to respect your time. So <laughs> finally, where can people find you? What's your website and what mm-hmm. social media?
1: Yep, um, my website is just honorosejohnson.com. dot com, and on Twitter I'm gymnasticsrosie. Rosie, and on Instagram I'm honorosewriter. Oh, so those perfect. are the best places to, to find what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> yes, and I found you on Instagram, and I have loved. She is wonderful, as you can tell from this episode. Anna Rose has wonderful book recommendations mm-hmm. and I love one of the things I still look at on Instagram. If I like I'll take breaks sometimes, but I will check. <laughs> you and Born of Wonder and a few other people are some of the people that I I come back to and I can see y'all's book recommendations. It keeps me it keeps me coming back to Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have a newsletter, Anna Rose? I said that in the beginning you had a newsletter. Yes. Is that I'm correct on that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, I have a main one as well. So yeah, if you go to my website, then you should be able to sign up for that.
0: Yeah, wonderful. Okay, I will be sure to include your website in the show notes and all these wonderful book recommendations. So Ana Rose, it was just an absolute delight. And everyone, please go and get her wonderful book, The Star That Always Stays.
1: Oh. All right. Thank you. thank you. Thank you so much. This was just so much fun.
0: Well, that's all for this week. I'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed today's episode and the podcast in general, would you consider leaving a rating or review? It's just a small way you can spread the word about the podcast. And if you'd like to connect during the week, you can find me at a Well Read Life Facebook group and Well Read Beth on Instagram. I am sadly not on either very often, but I will check it if you send a message. Thanks so much, and I hope you have a wonderful week reading many wonderful stories. Until next time.